Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. This is Modestly Metaphysical, a podcast where I talk about trending topics in the spiritual community and give tips on where to get started in your journey. I am Kara, and I will be your host. This is a very special episode to me. And that's why I took my time outlining and preparing it for everyone. Um, I included some research and some stuff that I just already knew. I absorb this information like a sponge and never really forget it. So um, it's very important for two reasons. Not only were psychedelics the thing that kind of catapulted my spiritual growth, but my very dear friend and brother TJ may he rest in divine love, was the person who introduced me to all of these things. So I wanted to start this episode with showing some gratitude and love for his spirit that still walks with us today and letting him know and all y'all know that he is that dude and will always be the king of this shit. Okay? Okay. This episode is most definitely dedicated to him and I just want to take a little time to recognize that. So let's get into it. Love you, TJ. And here we go. So in this episode, I was going to cover LSD, shrooms, and DMT, but I decided just to go with LSD and shrooms because my experience is more extensive with those two, and it's not quite as extensive with DMT. So, um, I might do just a whole separate episode on DMT because there is so much to unpack there, but um, most notably, I have more experience in the other two, so I decided to go that route, and so I'm going to cover those big two for me, and I find also that these two are the least likely to be stepped on, which means like dirty and harmful, as opposed to like MDMA, Molly, ecstasy, uh, any of ketamine, any of that kind of stuff, I don't have a lot of experience with as well as um, I don't vibe with it as much. So I haven't really experimented or delved into it. Um, Oops, sorry. It's just personally not my wave. So also I wanted to have a disclaimer that this info is for educational purposes only. And please do not take these substances if you're mentally not in the right place to think about and possibly relive trauma. So I will start by explaining each substance scientifically, the positives and negatives along with my experience with it. Um, And then at the end, I will answer the questions that you guys submitted on Instagram. And that's kind of like the layout that I'm going with as far as this podcast goes. And I wanted to also preface with Before I ever did psychedelics, I did extensive research on the side effects and possible dangers of these substances, (laughs) and I never used them as a party drug, so if you think that's what this is going to be, go ahead and clock out. Um, This is not that. So I use it solely for spiritual and personal growth and almost always took them in scenarios where set and setting were prime. And if you don't know what that means, it means that pretty much that the energy was right, the environment was right, and I was not in a situation where harm or hazard were possible or likely. So if you're new to this, I recommend a trip sitter or experienced trip partner to be with you 
wear comfortable clothing, be ready to maybe cry and feel really weird and uncomfortable. But always remember that you will be safe if you follow the right protocols. So the first contender I will start with um, moving from like, I feel like this is more beginner friendly and then progress into the next one. So first we have shrooms, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, caps, boomers, whatever you prefer to call them, mushrooms. Um, Magic mushrooms can be eaten, mixed with food or brewed like tea to drink. They can also be mixed with um, cannabis or tobacco and smoked. Liquid psilocybin is also available, which is the naturally occurring psychedelic drug found in the caps. The liquid is clear brown and comes in a small vial. Um, I feel like that's more going to be in the decriminalized areas in the United States. And um, so kind of relaying off of that, I have only taken them in the true um, like mushroom form or in pills for microdosing. I have never personally tried the liquid um, or the like psilocybin tincture. So the downsides for me personally with mushrooms are one, the amount of psilocybin contained in any given mushroom is unknown and they vary greatly in the amounts um, of the psychoactive components. And this means it's really hard to tell the length, intensity, and time or type of trip someone will experience. Two, it makes my tummy hurt sometimes and it tastes really bad. The trip lasts four to 10 hours. I know that's a big time frame, but it depends on the type and dosage. But I find it to be a lot more mild than LSD and definitely um, not nearly as long. So a little backstory, though most Western civilization has just awakened to discover the potency of psychoactive mushrooms, they are not new to the rest of the world. Psilocybin mushrooms have been used for hundreds of years in parts of Central America for spiritual and religious ceremonies. Um, The mushrooms were also called teonanakata. Tall, I believe. Teonanacatal. Yeah. By the Aztecs, which translated to the flesh of the gods. And there are also many rock paintings made in the Mesolithic period in a region of Algeria that depict the ceremonial and ritualistic use of these mushrooms. I think that these um, documents or this you know, this data dates far as far back as 10,000 BC. There's also a theory called the stoned ape theory that claims humans gained consciousness from consuming magic mushrooms. I won't get into that, but it's noteworthy and interesting. Um, Also, another noteworthy, noteworthy person is Maria Sabina, who was a Mexican healer slash shaman who really pioneered the use of magic mushrooms for healing in modern times, so respect. And the effects vary on experience, but for most people, the world appears distorted, or um, to me, it's not so much distorted, but 
you can see multiple levels of things. Um, I know that sounds crazy to some people, but some of you know what I mean. Colors, sounds, objects, and even time can be perceived very differently. Um, some people get mild hallucinations, which are also called visuals. I personally get less visuals on mushrooms than LSD. And also, I've never seen anything that isn't really there. Um, and I've always been in the right mindset to be able to reconvince myself that everything is okay and it's just the substance. So positive things that you may feel are like very giggly, euphoric, in awe of just like people and the things around you, energized, excited, but you can also feel things like paranoia, anxiety, um, sometimes panic or just overwhelmed and some people vomit or have a very uncomfortable bathroom experience. Again, your experience has a lot to do with your mindset, set and setting, and um, the way you prepare yourself. So always be mindful and prepared. Um, and when I say like prepare yourself, this goes for both substances where you want to make sure you're not eating a bunch of shit the days leading up to it or even the day of and day before. And you want to make sure that you have like some fruits or stuff like that for snacking because when you come down, you will probably feel hungry. One, you're using a lot of mental energy and two, you don't really feel hungry while you're on it. So be prepared to that aspect as well. So the science behind it, when you consume psilocybin, your gut takes it and converts it to the compound psilocin, which binds to serotonin receptors called 2A. I don't really know exactly what that means, but I, I just know that's what it's called. And this is what scientists think cause a um, domino effect of different changes in the brain, like increased activity in the visual cortex, which causes visuals, and decreased activity in the default mode network, which leads to a loss of ego. But most notably, it increases connectivity between the different regions of the brain. And um, the best way that I have found to explain this is imagine it as a orchestra. Normally, there are different instruments that each play independently, but imagine psilocybin as the conductor, making things flow smoothly and with unity and things to interact that may not normally interact. And so the areas are no longer compartmentalized from each other. And this is why some people have newfound perspective and healing. There was a study that is a great example of people who took mushrooms to see if it would help with their addiction. Um, I think the study, I don't remember how many people were in this study, but all I remember is they were uh, cigarette smokers and 80% of them after six months kicked the habit. Amazing. Especially when compared to the 35% that kicked the habit after using a pharma drug like Chantex to stop smoking, which is considered the best drug out there for it. Um, unfortunately, shrooms are still federally a Schedule One drug, so research on the topic is really difficult. But I do know that only 0.3% of people reported, uh, or excuse me, only 0.3% of people reported they needed medical treatment after the use, compared to 0.9% 
from ecstasy and 1.3% from alcohol. Interesting and notable. So if you haven't looked into the research and documents that um, Ram Das, or formerly known as Timothy Leary, has, he has some beautiful books and personal research about its medicinal and spiritual use. Um, it's very beautiful and profound stuff. So I recommend that you look into him as far as that kind of stuff goes. My personal experience with mushrooms, um, I always felt very connected with nature. Oh, by the way, the first time I ever did shrooms was when I was 17 or 18 years old. And um, it was a good experience for me. I didn't take a whole lot just for the reason of, um, like I said, I've always been really careful with psychedelics. And I'm a huge believer in taking a little bit, getting used to that dose, and then eventually dosing up. So I was very careful and never put myself in a situation to be uncomfortable, if that makes sense. So my experience was that I always felt very, very connected with nature and the things around me. Definitely a lot less anxiety on the come up as compared to LSD. And also there isn't quite a like defined quote unquote peak I've experienced. Um, and also if you enjoy the use of cannabis, it can enhance or even kind of like extend the trip. And also just overall, it was this sense of being extremely present in the moment and everything was absolutely beautiful to me. I could recognize the energy around me and see how it moved through the grass, trees, and other elements of nature. I could literally feel like I was observing from a detached state of consciousness. Nothing really mattered except for whatever was in front of me because it was all so astounding. It was like having the mind of a child, like everything was just so beautiful. And I would also see myself making connections I wouldn't normally make, like changes in perspective. Um, I was able to ask myself why I did or thought certain things, and I viewed the answer in a loving, understanding, and non-judgmental way. Currently, I don't remember the last time that I did shrooms. I don't remember, but... I now like did an actual dose of them, but now I microdose and I am in the process of documenting this experience and so far so good, but um, it is something that I have never been the type of person that wants to be on big pharma drugs for like mental health um, reasons and I will never allow myself to like just have access to those things because I'm really toxic with that kind of stuff. And I, I know that I just don't react very positively. And I'm hoping that this can be kind of like a um, antidepressant slash focus enhancer. I also don't want to be like, I have attention issues and I don't want to be the person that takes Adderall and then, you know, just uses it for the wrong reasons. So it has helped me a lot in that aspect. Um, you can thank my microdosing for the fact of like staying on top of this podcast, honestly, because it does give me the motivation to sit down and like literally get a whole episode lined up in like less than an hour. So thank you to that. Um, I'm going to answer more questions at the end. So if there's like questions that pop up, they might be answered like at the end of the questions that were asked on Instagram. 
But that's mushrooms, honestly, and it's a beautiful experience. I totally always tell people to start with mushrooms and then do acid. I personally did it the other way around, but um, I feel like acid or shrooms are a good stepping stone into the more intense psychedelics because it's. I, f- I find that, um, one, they're more expensive, so I don't feel <laughs> like as drawn to take a whole bunch of them. So you kind of have to pace yourself unless you have like a really good plug, honestly. But um, I I can't remember what the prices are, honestly, because just because like m- most of the time I get them from friends or something. So I just know that price-wise they are more expensive than a dose of LSD. So that's kind of what draws me away from it. But it is the natural one of the two. Um, I'll get into the details of LSD right now. So my personal favorite and the one that I'm most experienced with is lysergic acid dithalamide or LSD, also known as acid tabs, blotters, etc. Admittedly, before I tried it, I literally thought the rumors were true. Like it puts holes in your brain. It makes you stupid and crazy or whatever. Um, But after my many, many experiences with the substance, I now know that um, I was the crazy one at that time. And there is not an ounce of truth to those statements. Um, I think the name acid really turns people away. So I try to use LSD when I refer to it because sometimes Uh, people don't know that they're the same thing. So brief history. LSD was accidentally synthesized by a Swiss scientist by the name of Albert Hoffman in 1938, who was actually going through trials, trying to find a drug for respiratory problems in children, I believe, something along those lines. And this particular trial was number 25, I think, And so you might see it referred to LSD-25 and it is synthesized from a fungus ergot found on rye. Side note, this is related to the theory of this being what causes the Salem witch trials, like having them have convulsions and like all that stuff. So seeing that they consumed rye with the fungus on it, of course, but the legitimacy of this theory is unbeknownst to me but I like it. So I had to throw it in there. But Hoffman discovered its hallucinogenic properties in 1943 on the day now called Bicycle Day, which is April 19th, the day before 420, which is fitting. So April 19th, 1943, Albert Hoffman, who at the time was a chemist for Sandoz in Switzerland, ingested a small amount meaning um, like 250 micrograms of a compound derived from the ergot fungus. And he soon felt so disoriented that he rode his bicycle home where he experienced all of the effects of lysergic acid dithalamide. Um, Also, what I wanted to note is that this Like I said, he was doing trials for this respiratory drug or whatever it was. And of course it was denied. And for some reason he like circled back to it and tried it again after already like moving on to other trials. So I think that's like, you know, like the divine calling, you know, how I kind of talked about um, in 
my first step or whatever episode it was with the law of attraction, the law of magnetism, like the things that are meant for you are really drawn, like you're really drawn to them and you can't explain why. I think that there is definitely a divine um, uh, aspect of these drugs. And I think that they do present themselves to you when they're meant to. So I always thought that was really interesting. But so he took 250 micrograms. But if you know about dosage and this substance, this is a decent dose, probably equivalent to one and a half to three uh, tabs, like modern tabs, which I always recommend people start with half and then do one and move up from there. So a standard dose of LSD for the past 20 years has been between 50 to 150 micrograms and a single hit of most blotter paper contains somewhere in this range, though this varies obviously depending on the source and there's no way to determine the strength other than word, word of mouth. But in the 60s and 70s, when it became primarily, um, you know, popularized, I guess, it came in a pill form and on blotters, and the average single dosage unit was significantly higher, more in the 200 to 400 microgram range, which explains a lot. So the effects of um, this normally last between 6 to 12 hours, depending on the dosage, tolerance, body weight, age, all that good stuff. But I always find it personally um, to fall in the 10 to 12 hour range. And um, yes, definitely is the longer of the two. So if you're looking for like a whole half day ordeal, you want to go with acid. But if you're just looking for like a few hours, probably go with shrooms. Also, something that's very notable is that um, your tolerance builds very quickly to this substance and it doesn't get back to zero until two weeks. So when I was doing it, um, I was doing it. <laughs> I'm a mom here, so it's, it's going to be so bad, but it's for the education. So I would do it like every two weeks for a couple years and it was for the science. Okay. But uh, the reason I would do it every two weeks is because that's when your tolerance is pretty much reset to zero. And um, yeah, so if you take one tab today, you would have to take two tabs tomorrow to get the same effect. And it does get out of your your blood system in 24 hours. So that's why commonly like you'll hear um, people who are still subject to drug tests, they will take something like this because they can still do a substance and it's not going to show up on a piss test. So interesting facts by Kara. <laughs> and uh, just like the science behind it, it primarily affects the prefrontal cortex area of the brain, which controls mood, thinking, reactions, and perception, as well as um, the serotonin receptors. It binds also to dopamine receptors. And um, I think that's the notable difference between LSD and uh, shrooms is... I know that LSD binds to one or two sub two uh, drugs like that or two happy hormones like that, while mushrooms do one. I can't remember which one's which. I feel like LSD only does dopamine and um, shrooms don't, but that's a notable difference between the two. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter involved in movement and emotion response. 
So that's something very notable as well. And the the uh, effect on the brain is literally the exact same as shrooms, more connectivity, more activity that at the same time that wouldn't normally occur. And I really, really, really suggest you guys look up pictures of a brain on LSD compared to the placebo. It's really, really, really amazing. And same with shrooms. Um, it's really, really amazing to see how uh, profound the effects are on a brain scan. So you guys should really check that out on your own time, but it is, it's beautiful. So that is in summary. Oh, my experience. Duh. But my experience is that one, uh, I'm not even gonna put numbers on. I have like 10 things I want to say, but the trips are really long. So make sure that you're prepared for that. Uh, eat ahead of time. Make sure that you have food available to you. You're not going to feel hungry on it. And honestly, digestion is a really weird thing when you're tripping. The um, It's way more intense than shrooms. And that's why I always tell people to start with one and leeway into the other or start low and Um, go up in dose. It's not scary. Just make sure that you have someone with you that knows what they're doing or is sober. And someone who, if it's someone who's sober, make sure that they've done it before or that they're just like an extremely positive and supportive person because you are going to be able to tell very quickly if you do this substance with other people, you're going to tell very quickly who you like and dislike and if you truly do like someone and a lot of things can be brought to your attention that you may not process till later so i always recommend taking notes and doing something creative and fun and letting yourself um do any healing that needs to happen my favorite is the come down just because i feel like i have very connected thoughts and perspective and the peak is more so of like a very visually overwhelming experience so i don't quite get the thought process that I want, or it's really hard for me to pin down a thought. Um, So I always enjoy the come down, which is usually like at the four hour and beyond mark. I really just like that feeling of um, that connected space in my mind of things making sense. And if you are a cannabis user, you want to put your weed away because you will not feel one bit of high. It will not like you will just blow through your weed and not feel it. So unless you want to do that, I recommend um, maybe opting out or limiting yourself a little bit. I have never seen something that isn't there. So I've never seen like weird shit happen. I've heard a lot of people who had had bad trips talk about um, the synthetic. They use the synthetic acid, which... um, one second. I'm going to look up the name of it um, because I don't recommend using it. And I want you guys to be able to discern if you got fake stuff or real stuff. It is called 25i, I believe. Um, something like that. There's another name for it, but I don't remember what it is. I just know that it's um, fake. So don't do that. And you can tell because acid LSD should be tasteless, odorless, colorless. So if you get a, uh, sometimes you can't tell on the blotter papers, 
but if you have a vial and it looks like a color, maybe not. And um, if you put it in your mouth and it tastes funny, it's like bitter, you want to spit it out. Um, don't take it. And as far as like, that's just a safety thing. So I'm not going to get into too much detail because I don't want to get in any sort of trouble, but it should be tasteless, odorless, colorless. And make sure you pay attention to that because the synthetic experiences are notably more negative than the uh, pure. So I have also microdosed LSD and it was a very, very um, good experience. It helped me with focus, helped me with energy and just overall um, mood enhancement. I didn't do it for a super long time, so I can't give too much data, but for like a few months, it was really helpful for me. And like I said before, your tolerance uh, shoots up really fast. So that's something to take note of as well, is you want to make sure that um, if you're doing it for the same purposes like I did it, you want to spread it out and give yourself time to also process things between. When I was doing it often, I wasn't nearly as experienced or, um, you know, just experienced in life, I guess, as I am now. So my experiences now are a lot more profound and um, I'm able to get a lot more out of it. And I wasn't, I just wasn't old enough and didn't have the experience at the time that I was really experimenting with it to have like anything super, super profound. I think that now me processing what has happened and what I have experienced is now the profound part. And I never once felt um, like addicted to it. I was more so addicted to the knowledge about myself that I was gaining, but I was also like inspired to do it on my own without the substance. So it was a very different mindset than like other things like you can get heavily addicted to. And I thought it was over. It's overall the one thing that really honestly saved me. And that's why I give so much love to TJ for that because he, it was literally like my saving grace at that time. We had a lot of trips together and I really got through some really difficult times because of this drug. And it gave me such a different perspective on life and my purpose here. And it was, it's just like, honestly, it was the best thing that I ever did for myself. And I literally recommend it to anyone who is in the right mental space to be able to um, do that type of thing. Obviously, it's not for everyone. And um, I don't recommend everyone try it if you feel like you're not in the right mental space. But it is a very, very profound substance. And I think it, there is a lot of divine knowledge within both shrooms and LSD. So wrapping that up, I'm going to move into the questions that were asked to me on Instagram. Okay, so the first question was, if it applies, which one showed you, showed, like, let me rephrase, which one showed, in quotes, you the most? Um, I feel like, again, maybe just because my experience was more um, longitudinal, if that's the right word. I did LSD more. And like I said, you can get a lot more for a lot less money. And so I feel like I had a really positive experience with LSD and shrooms. I feel like, I feel like this is how I would put it. I feel like LSD showed me myself more and shrooms showed me how 
significant but insignificant I was just because the shrooms really showed me the connectivity more deeply between me and the things and the energy around me than um, LSD did. But LSD definitely showed me the connectivity physically. Like I could see it. Like I could see the um, nets of energy. I could see the energy attaching us to the um, world above, like a string attaching from like our belly button up of like energy. (laughs) That's like some people might have had that same experience, but it's different for everyone. But I definitely feel like um, shrooms taught me how to be humble and LSD taught me how to process things more uh, efficiently, I guess. So both played a part, but I feel like LSD for sure showed me myself more and shrooms showed me other like nature and how beautiful and profound the things around me were. Second question, how has psychedelics changed your character in a positive realm? Again, they both showed me that how connected I was to the things around me and how much my energy plays into the energy around me. And I started seeing um, the way that I acted as a person as a ripple, like in a pond. So whether I just, so on a scale, if I was thinking about it, if I'm a ripple and I impact two people, that multiplies exponentially when those two people also impact two people and it goes on and on and on and on. And so I feel like if I can impact someone positively, whether it be a stranger or someone I know very well, then they will go on to give a little bit of positivity to the next person. And it creates a chain effect of positivity. And that really started to happen after I did psychedelics. And I saw how interconnected we all are and just like truly believing um, quantum mechanics and just um, quantum entanglement and how everything, the energy around us is actually all interconnected. And we do have a role to play in the type of energy that is around us and um, around the people that we love. So I think that's what it changed most about me is that I really became aware of how my energy can affect the people around me and how that can actually make a bigger impact than I might have perceived before. Next question, what are the benefits and how do you ensure that you have a good trip? Benefits are you can learn a lot about yourself and a lot about the things that you care about. Um, kind of resetting your perspective, I think. And also it's a natural antidepressant and can help with a slew of problems like PTSD and addiction. So those are some like medical benefits, I guess. But again, you want to make sure that you do that in a clinical setting or, um, you know, with a shaman or a guided healer of some sort. And how do you ensure that you have a good trip? Again, set and setting making sure that everything's clean. You want to like clean your house before you don't want to be sitting dirty and have the availability to be outside if you need it. And also dress comfortably. Um, Make sure that you're not going to feel gross. You know, be clean, showered, wash your face, do um, make sure that you have, like I said before, some fruit on hand for a snack. If you get hungry, um, you know, 
also making sure you don't eat a bunch of processed foods before so that way you don't feel sick. You can really start to feel like the bloat and you're just really hyper aware of your body. So um, also making sure that you're in a safe environment, obviously, and that you're with someone that you trust and that you know that you don't have a problem with. Because like I said, you will know very quickly the people who you are no longer going to view the same after the trip just because um, the energy is there and making sure that it's not someone who's going to be a Debbie Downer. And if you're if they're not sober, making sure that you're with someone who's done it before and can really like also handle kind of babysitting you and taking on their own trip. That's what I recommend. Next question, have you ever had a bad trip? I have never, ever had a bad trip. Again, I I attribute this to the fact that I was very, very intentional and um, prepared every time I went into it, no matter how many times it was, um, making sure that I was with people I trusted or I could at least know that I was strong enough to fend off their energy or I could get away from them if I needed. And um, I've personally never had a bad trip and I've also never had anything that was not 100% pure. So that could also be the reason. Always get substances from people that you trust. And like I said, if it's bitter or um, smells, don't take it. And just be really intentional about your trip. Next question is what types of environment slash vibes works best to experience and receive? So I'll cover this one from like a spiritual perspective as well as just like a physical perspective. So the environment, you want it to, again, be clean, um, a lot of nature and good, you know, like clean, healthy products around you. So don't wear any like super synthetic fragrances or lotions. Use like all natural material, anything that you feel like is going to be super comfy for you. Um make sure that you have a plan as far as like, if you start to feel really anxious, mine is always to listen to music or to watch a nature documentary. Um, so nature-based can always get you back to a stable state. If you start to feel really anxious, like distracting yourself from um, your inner world into the outer world and even just stepping outside, getting some fresh air, having that be a possibility um, and then just the vibes, obviously you want it to be as positive as possible. Um, I always set an intention, you know, and that's kind of like the physical aspects. Intention kind of leads into spiritual. So the best environments and vibes to experience and receive spiritual information is to, uh, be prepared, set your intention to have a spiritual experience and receive any information that you need to grow, as well as having a journal or something to write with or something to make art with. Some sort of outlet can be super helpful because it can help you kind of like process things and symbols, um, as well as just making sure that everything, again, is clean, not just in a physical aspect, but even just do some cleansing um, spiritually beforehand to yourself and to your environment. And making sure that anything that provokes negative feelings within you is out of sight, out of mind for that time. Um, if it's something that you do want to delve into and work on during your trip, I recommend 
having someone there to support you or even just taking a smaller dose and being able to work through it. If you just want to cry alone and like really go into it, that's fine too. Just know your limits. And then another person asked, do you think psilocybin will replace antidepressants one day? I really hope so. I really do. And I've noticed that it is honestly the one thing that brought me out of my clinical depression, just psychedelics in general. So I'm a huge advocate for it. I know that there's a lot more um, advocacy. Sometimes words are hard. There's a lot more people advocating for it in even like big companies and stuff. Um, Like Castile Soap, like the one that everyone buys, they have one like their campaign or whatever it's on their bottles and it says like psychedelics heal or something like that. And it talks about like the uh, profound effects uh, of clinical trials of psychedelics being very healing. So that's very interesting. And yes, I do hope that it does. And again, um, someone asked how to prepare yourself mentally and physically for your first experience. Um, I'll cover them again briefly. I covered them once, but First and foremost, intention, making sure that you know your intention of going into it and um, making sure that you don't just go into it loosey-goosey because then it's going to show you what it wants to show you. And sometimes people aren't ready for that experience. So always intention first. And then obviously set and setting, making sure you're comfortable, clean. Um, You have the things that you may need, having a little setup where it's really comfy. You can sit there. You can have a blanket to cuddle up with, have tissues in case you cry, Um, a little area that you could watch a show or listen to music, and again, the availability to step outside if you need to and making sure that you're comfortable doing so. So if you live in an apartment or something, the energy can be very, uh, the energy of other people can be very um, intense sometimes, not always. Like I found I was just fine when I did it in my apartment, but for some people you might be a little more sensitive to that. And also you're going to be able to hear things from a mile away and it's actually like the most incredible thing ever like you can hear someone from like the other side of town in my hometown driving like past my house it's crazy and so you if you're going to be able to hear your neighbors and stuff if you're in a place where you share um a like apartment with people you know like if you're in an apartment complex or something so maybe renting out an airbnb or something just for that experience i had done that before and i rented out a cabin in um, Colorado Springs, and that was a beautiful experience. And um, also, again, making sure that you don't eat a bunch of shit leading up to it. That means like probably the couple days leading up to it um, and no ongoing pain or health problems are going on, honestly, just because it can really bring your awareness to it. And also my... (laughs) I've never had a bad trip, but my worst experience was doing it while I was like had a cold and I had never been so grateful to be able to breathe through my nose after that just because like it like I said it makes you feel everything a hundred times more um so being prepared in that aspect and having a backup plan if you start to feel yourself get really anxious like I said mine is music and stepping outside so that is honestly it as far as that goes but just to kind of wrap things up. Overall, 
both of these substances are amazing for spiritual and personal growth. I, again, don't recommend them for recreational use. You can obviously take them with the intention to just appreciate life and have a good time, but I don't recommend them in like a party setting. Uh, it's up to everyone else, you know, like do what makes you happy, what makes you vibe and definitely just make sure you're with someone or people that you really trust and love and go into it hoping that it changes you to be a better person and come out of it better than before. If you don't really know what intention to set, I always tell people to start with the intention of um, having a positive, profound experience that is also safe. And that's honestly any experience, but some people like to get more uh, specific as they get more experience, but that's kind of an intention that can always guide you and lead you to the right place. Overall, I wouldn't be who I am or what I am without these substances. I mean, I would have been, but I might have been a little bit delayed. And I'm so, so thankful for these substances, for showing me the parts of myself that I had neglected or forgotten about or just, you know, didn't accept. And it taught me to accept myself and other people lovingly without judgment and to understand everyone's experience and perspective and how important they all are just for the experience of life itself and knowing that how connected we are to each other and to the world around us is so important and to never sever or forget about that connection because it can bring you so much healing and enlightenment and knowing that i don't know there's natural means to your to solve your problems you don't no no i'm not saying that i'm a psychologist and you should get off of your um prescription pills for whatever to take these substances instead, but I hope to see um, our medicines shift one day to more natural substances such as these two, and they're just overall such beautiful and profound experiences to have, and I'm so happy that I have the experiences that I do, and again, so, so thankful and grateful for all the people that I've shared trips with, especially TJ. Again, this episode is dedicated to him. May he rest in divine love. And I am not, let me think, you know, I am going to do a meditation on this one because I feel really good today. And I want you guys to share my energy. Um, This was by far my favorite episode. I just literally dipped my toe into the water because I have so much information. I was so obsessed with this topic. I wrote my college speech on psychedelics being used in place of antidepressants and other mental illness drugs. And I remember everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. And I've just done so many papers on this topic that I kind of just have this collected information. So if there's any questions or anything that you guys want me to dive deeper on, please let me know. Send me a message on Instagram at medically, (laughs) um, modestly.metaphysical on Instagram. I would love to hear any suggestions for episodes. And again, shout out to Casey for telling me to cover this topic. She literally gives me the best recommendations. So thank you to everyone that's listening, and I will have a meditation here shortly.
It remains still as the seasons flow into one another and as the weather changes moment by moment and day by day, calmness. In any season, it may find itself at times enshrouded in clouds or fog or pelted by freezing rain. People may come to see the mountain and comment on how beautiful it is or how it's not a good day to see the mountain, that it's too cloudy or rainy or foggy or dark. None of this matters to the mountain, which remains at all times its essential self. Clouds may come and clouds may go. Tourists may like it or not. The mountain's magnificence and beauty are not changed one bit by whether or not people see it or seen or unseen in the clouds or in the frigid day or night. It just sits being itself. In the same way as we sit in the meditation, we can learn to experience the mountain. We can embody the same central unwavering stillness and groundedness in the face of everything that changes in our own lives over seconds, over hours, over years. It's true that we experience storms of varying intensity and violence in the outer world and in our minds and bodies. Buffeted by high winds, by cold and rain, we endure periods of darkness and pain as well as moments of joy. Even our appearance changes constantly experiencing a weather of its own. By becoming the mountain in our meditation practice, we can link up with its strength and stability and adopt them for our own. It may help us to see that our thoughts and feelings, our preoccupations, our emotional storms and crises, even the things that happen to us that are very much like the weather on the mountain, we tend to take it all personally, but its strongest characteristic is that it's impersonal. The weather of our own lives is not to be ignored or denied. It's to be encountered, honored, felt, known for what it is, and held in awareness. And in holding it in this way, we come to know a deeper silence and stillness and wisdom. Mountains have this to teach us and much more if we can let it in. So if you find you resonate in some way with the strength and stability of the mountain, it may be helpful to use it from time to time in your meditation practice. Slowly wiggle your toes and fingers and bring yourself back into your body. Allow yourself time to sit and think if need be. Namaste. And may you go in peace. This meditation is normally done in a sitting position, either on the floor or a chair, and begins by sensing into the support you have from the chair or the cushion. 
paying attention to the actual sensations of contact. Find a position of stability and poise, upper body balanced over your hips and shoulders in a comfortable but alert posture. Hands on your lap or your knees or hanging by their own weight like heavy curtains, stable and relaxed. Sense into your body, feeling your feet, legs, hips, arms, shoulders, neck, and head. And when you're ready, allowing your eyes to close, bringing awareness to breath, the actual physical sensations, feeling each breath as it comes in and goes out, letting the breath be just as it is without trying to change or regulate it in any way, allowing it to flow easily and naturally with its own rhythm and pace, knowing you are breathing perfectly well right now As you sit here, letting an image form in your mind's eye of the most magnificent or beautiful mountain you know or have seen or can imagine, letting it gradually come into greater focus, and even if it doesn't come as a visual image, allowing the sense of this mountain and feeling its overall shape, its lofty peak or peaks high in the sky, the large base rooted in the bedrock of that earth's crust, its steep or gently sloped sides. Noticing how massive it is, how solid, how unmoving, how beautiful, whether from afar or up close. Observing it, noting its qualities, and when you feel ready, seeing if you can bring the mountain into your own body, sitting here so that your body and the mountain in your mind's eye become one, so that you sit here, you share the massiveness and stillness and majesty of the mountain, you become the mountain. Grounded in the sitting posture, your head becomes the lofty peak supported by the rest of the body in affording a panoramic view, your shoulders and arms the sides of the mountain. Your lower body and legs the solid base rooted to your cushion or your chair, experiencing in your body a sense of uplift from deep within your pelvis and spine. With each breath, as you continue sitting, becoming a little more a breathing mountain, alive and vital, yet unwavering in your inner stillness, completely what you are, beyond words and thought, a centered, grounded, unmoving presence. 
as you sit here, becoming aware of the fact that as the sun travels across the sky, the light and shadows and colors are changing moment by moment in the mountain's stillness, in the surface teems with life and activity, streams, melting snow, waterfalls, plants, and wildlife. As the mountain sits, seeing and feeling how night follows day and day follows night. The bright warming sun followed by the cool night sky studded with scars and the gradual dawning of a new day. Though the mountain experiences all these changes, the mountain just sits 